the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Friends on AM 1420, The Answer. Yeah, President Reagan is right. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. And that point is the 52-vote threshold in the United States Senate. Ted Cruz laid it out better than anybody else has, literally. If uh, they get 52 seats, the nation is lost, and it's not lost just until the next cycle. It's lost, period. Cannot be regained. It is that serious. With 52 votes, they abolish the filibuster and then simple majority rules to get S-1 passed, the federal takeover of all elections, to get... uh, 15 million people on a path to citizenship uh, to get um, uh, Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. as states, to get the court packed with enough leftist judges that will never get another decision again. Literally, if they pass, or excuse me, get past that that mark, that 52-senator mark, we are done. Hope people realize the importance of this election. Welcome as we continue into hour number three now at 11 minutes past 11 o'clock on this uh, Wednesday. It's the 26th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 22, uh, 2022. Uh, and that means it's time for our regular Wednesday commentator. He is our good friend, Jack Windsor, the uh, editor and founder of the Ohio Press Network. Uh, Jack Windsor, good to have you back. How are you? Bob, I'm super fantastic. Thanks for being with me today. It's always a pleasure to be here with you in the AM 1420 family. Thank you, Jack. I appreciate that always. Uh, man, there's so much ground to cover here. I, I, instead of starting with the races, um, which, uh, you know, you've been doing a lot of great work on, you and your team, I'm going to talk about the CDC because this just kind of came down. Um, you and I spoke yesterday about this. Uh, a couple of days ago, or maybe it was the end of last week, maybe it was Friday, I can't even remember anymore, but Rochelle Walensky announced that the CDC had voted unanimously to recommend the addition of COVID-19 shots to the regular... Um, uh, childhood immunization schedule for MMR and, 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 and polio vaccines and so on and so forth. Uh, they want to add COVID-19 to that. The question ever since that happened has been, can they mandate that? And the answer is no. The CDC cannot mandate anything. However, they can make that recommendation, and then the federal government may, based on that recommendation, 
use their power to coerce, in other words, threaten states uh, with a loss of federal dollars if they don't do what the CDC recommended here. So the question becomes, what are the states going to do? And more specifically, what is our state going to do? And you might have the answer uh, from Governor Mike DeWine. What do you got? Well, first, it's not a pretend scenario that you mentioned with respect to the federal government putting pressure on states. It happened with masks on buses. We remember that very recently. It's now happening with Title IX changes and school lunch money, although one court has tried to halt that. But uh, I digress. So DeWine and Husted uh, responded to the CDC adding those COVID-19 shots to the child vaccination schedule. And real quickly, Bob, for context, let me tell you this. I published this story Friday night into Saturday morning. By Sunday morning, it was the top story for the week on our site. And that's saying something because we had previously released a very in-depth story about what was going on in schools with their policies. So the issue is vibrant. Parents care. That being said, let's take a look at what some of the other folks around the country have said, and then we'll kind of meander into, I think, the crux of this issue. Uh, But the governor of uh, Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, said COVID-19 mandates should be in the rearview mirror. The decision to vaccinate a child against COVID-19 is Virginia parents. Uh, to make about what's best for them and their family, we will not adhere to these uh, CDC mandates. And Virginia parents matter. Ron DeSantis said, as long as I'm kicking and screaming, there will be no COVID shot mandates for your kids. Now, let's look at what Governor Mike DeWine said, and I think this is why the article uh, was viral, uh, because he weighed in with us. I'm not sure that he made other public comments before this on the matter. But I asked his press team, what will the governor do, if anything, to either promote the jabs in order for kids to enroll in school or discourage schools from requiring them? So that was the question. Here's the answer. There are no COVID-19 vaccine mandates in Ohio. That's it. So that's it. Now some Pre- context pre- Present that. tense, present tense. There are no COVID vaccines in our vaccine mandates in Ohio, present tense. That, that doesn't say a whole heck of a lot, does it? Well, it doesn't answer the question directly. It gives an answer that states there are no COVID-19 vaccine mandates in Ohio. Well, I knew that beforehand. Yeah, that means it's not, question, it's not just not direct. It's do? not an answer at all. It's an ignoring of the question. Will you follow the CDC guidelines and require this? There are no COVID va- va- vaccine mandates. That, that's ignoring the question. That's doing a KJP. That's what that is. Well, some context on that, and, and maybe... It does have some weight, but I think there are still some issues that readers have, and I'll tell you what those are. So I talked to State Senator Andrew Brenner, who told me right away that Ohio law spells out vaccines that are mandated. In order for kids to attend school, COVID isn't on that list, and therefore it can't be mandated. Uh, John Husted said something similar. He said the CDC can make recommendations if they want, but they can't tell Ohio schools to require a COVID vaccine. The General Assembly makes Ohio law and we have no COVID vaccine requirement in our state, period. So the question is, well, will that become law? Will they write that in? Uh, Ohio Senate President Matt Huffman uh, said, uh, and he's a Republican from Lima, by the way, he said, uh, regarding a recent recommendation by the CDC that children receive COVID-19 vaccination, I want to reassure the people of Ohio that I am committed to making sure parents have the final say in their children's medical decisions. Now, he went on and included a link in that tweet where he made that comment. And uh, that, that link went to a statement where he said, the COVID-19 vaccine is not part of Ohio's childhood vaccination requirements, and I am not in favor of adding it. The Ohio Senate has no intention of making a change to law. Um, 
So, Bob, reading between the lines, is there an effort to put it into law? Perhaps. The feedback we're getting from our readers is this. Well, there wasn't a mask mandate either, but my kids still had to wear a mask last year, and I had to jump through hoops to get an exemption. Some parents had to spend money and time pursuing you know, their cause for that matter in court. So the concern we're hearing is this, to really break it down. Great that it isn't mandated, but are there forced compliance tactics that are going to result in schools attempting to force my kid uh, to get stuck in order to participate in in-person education? Well, to be truthful, Jack, I'm not satisfied with any of those answers, including Huffman's. You know, he may say, I personally am going to do everything I can uh, to make sure that parents have the last say, if I'm, rec- if I'm quoting you right and what you just said. Um, what does that mean? Because the, you know what they could do? They could require it and then say, parents, it's up to you. You have the last say. Get them that shot or take them out. Go, go homeschool and do it yourself. Put them in a private school. There, you have your last say. That doesn't do anything for me. None of those statements do anything for me, and they should not give any parent confidence that they're not going to be required to have their kids jabbed with this experimental toxin, this messenger RNA shot that is potentially very dangerous and that is absolutely not uh, effective in preventing anybody from getting COVID-19 anyway. Uh, which they, of course, have come around to admit well after the fact, well after the development of these shots. So, so Jack, from what you just described, um, not Houston, not Brenner, not Huffman, none of them really gave us the answer we're looking for, which is, no, we will not allow the federal government to require those things. They're not going to make that statement. Sometimes the answer is in the answer, right? Sometimes reading between the lines provides the context. Now, one, one state lawmaker did tell me this, that... Uh, Republican caucuses had circled the wagons and began talking almost immediately about how to uh, ensure that COVID vaccines are not mandatory for kids to go to school. So they are having that discussion. Whether something will happen in lame duck session, I don't know, um, but it's certainly on the top of the radar. All right. Fair enough. Uh, that's um yeah, I want I want every Ohio voter to know this. I want everyone to understand exactly what's being done here. Um, that we've seen the federal government. You pointed it out already using their heavy hand by saying we will make your poor kids starve. No reduced lunches or no free lunches uh, coming from the federal government. We're cutting those funds if you don't uh, um, mm-hmm. expand Title IX to include gender identity and put girls in uh, in in harm's way in terms of competition and in terms of private spaces and so forth. They've already threatened money that way if you don't think they'll threaten federal money to make sure that everybody gets shots when they don't need them with a population a segment of the population which is children young children which is just so minuscule the threat that covid might provide to them uh, if you don't think that they're willing to make that threat then i don't think people are paying attention uh jack let's move on to topic number two speaking of those title nine changes yesterday I received a copy at the same, right around the same time you did, of a letter that was written by the Attorney General of this state um, to the Secretary of Education at the federal level, Miguel Cardona, and it essentially said from Dave Yost that uh, the state of Ohio is going to push back on any Title IX changes. Uh, the expansion of Title IX to gender identity, and it was 33 pages of reasons why. I thought it was pretty mm-hmm. doggone good. However, this statement. Apparently, according to the letterhead, or the date on the on it under the letterhead was written. This letter was written on September twelfth. Jack, why are you just finding out about it? 
Why am I just finding out about it? Why didn't Dave Yost send this letter to the plane dealer, to the Columbus Dispatch, Cincinnati Inquirer, Toledo Blade, and on and on and on, so that every Ohioan knows that we're not going to stand for this? This is where I stand, because that might have had an impact on things like the resolution presented by Brendan Shea before the Ohio Board of Education. Why is this written on September 12th, but being made uh, public, or we're finding out about it on October 25 yesterday? Bob, those are all super fantastic questions. I can only answer the one regarding me. I don't know if Dave Yost sent this to somebody else, whether that be Cleveland.com, The Plain Dealer, which I'm sure you guys are listening. How you doing out there? Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate the audience. Um, but listen, I reached out to the Ohio Attorney General's office on October 3rd, and my question was, hey, is the AG going to weigh in on this? This is a pretty important matter uh, regarding Title IX. Because he did weigh in on the withholding of lunch money. My question to his press team was, what is he going to do about parents' rights? What is he going to do about the privacy of students and uh, gender ideology in schools? And the comment that I got was, well, I don't think he's going to weigh in at all. So imagine my surprise when I received a letter dated September 12th that is, I'm going to give you my opinion here, it it is one of the most uh, thorough explanations that I've read in a long time about why an administrative rule uh, lacks authority and why it's dangerous. In that letter, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to bury the lead on this. I think one of the most <clears throat> profound things I read was, uh, you know, said the department's eradication of sex-based distinctions for primary education is harmful and confusing to the point of abuse, particularly without parental consent. The proposed rule would require participation consistent with a person's gender identity in all education programs or activities that receive federal financial assistance, not just secondary or post-secondary activities. This means male students who identify as girls and female students who identify as boys must be permitted to so identify at school that parents, not schools, are responsible for the upbringing of their young children, particularly when it comes to deeply personal and emotional questions. The proposed rule strips parents of their right to raise their boys as boys and girls as girls. It bars schools from respecting the parents' wish to treat their children in accordance with their biological sexes. Um, that's profound. That would have been really meaningful for members of that State Board of Education to understand, I think, when they wrestled with Brendan Shea's uh, resolution just a week or two ago. And um, it, it's sad to me that this uh, hadn't received uh, you know, uh, exposure in the public eye. Jack, have you spoken to A.G. Yost about this at any point? Um, so I have not talked with him personally. I did have a quick uh, text exchange with his communications director this morning, and I said, essentially, what gifts? We talked on October 3rd, and, uh, you know, check my math, but I think that's after September 12th, and you indicated that there wasn't going to be a statement, yet here is this extremely thorough uh, letter that's very powerful why wasn't it shared? The comment that I received back was, uh, hmm, I didn't know. So, whoa, 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 um, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. The, the, the aide or assistant or whatever from Yost's office. No, the director of communication. Director of communication did not know that the letter had been written? What does he mean when according he says, I my, did not know? According to my text exchange, um, and I have my phone to my ear. Otherwise, I would put you on speaker. Put and, me on speaker. You know, I want to hear text. it directly. I want to see. I want no. no seriously, put, I, I know we don't normally do speaker on radio, okay. but do it though. Do okay. it and read read to me specifically. I want to know what he means when he says "did not know." Yeah. 
Because if okay, the director, so of, yeah, if the director of so communications did not know the letter was being written, then my goodness gracious, what does that say yeah. about his job? If he did not know uh, that it wasn't being sent to or, who, or to whom it was being sent, that's another issue. But go ahead, Jack. So my my text was I'm confused when we talked on October third. I asked if AG Ghost would weigh in on Title IX changes, particularly in schools. He said. You didn't think so, but I have a letter to Secretary Miguel Cardone at U.S. At US Department of Education from U.S. on behalf of Ohio and 18 other states on the matter dated September 12th. The, the response was, huh, this is not the first time a reporter knew something before me. My bad. That was not by design. I hope you know and believe that. This is not the first time that a reporter knew something before me? You're in charge of the, the AG's communications? And you don't know that he wrote a 33-page communication to go to the federal government? And you didn't know that where else it might be sent? You didn't recommend or discuss or become privy to questions as to whether or not it should be sent to the press in the state of Ohio so the state of Ohio's citizens knew where the AG stood on this massively important uh, uh, you know, change in, in Title IX uh, um, uh, structure? I, I'm blown away by that. My response, Bob, was, you know, I, I try to be kind. I understand. Sometimes I have a hard time, you know, keeping my own house in order. I have a daughter, and with Whitney, you know, uh, she has two kids. So what is that, five of us together? Sometimes it's challenging. I get that the director of communications is part of a, a massive organization. So, you know, I chalk it up and say, hey, I get it. You know, you work with a massive organization, and, and maybe it slipped through the cracks. Um, but it's a 33-page letter. It, it would have been nice to know. It's a 33-page letter written on behalf of the people of Ohio and 18 other states. Uh, that can't slip through the cracks. That's a boulder. Boulders don't fit through cracks. That's crazy to me. So last thing Touché. on this, Touché. last thing on this, Jack Windsor, <laughs> last thing on this uh, is 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 the governor. We, we've kind of, yeah. you and I have both discussed this, and I've criticized him and uh, Yost uh, about this separately and at the same time uh, in, in the last several weeks. Why hasn't the governor spoken up on this? Because the governor wrote a letter to the Obama administration, to the AG Loretta Lynch, about bathroom uh, policies, uh, boys going into girls' bathrooms, same, same transgender issue six years ago in 2016, saying you're not gonna, we're not gonna let here in the state of Ohio the federal government run roughshod over us and tell us how to handle these very sensitive bathroom issues. You can't force us to put boys in girls' bathrooms. Uh, we will fight you on this, but he hasn't said a word about it now that he's the actual leader of the state. Yeah, so there are a couple of points there, and I want to try to you know march through these pretty quickly because I know we're limited on time. Uh, but first of all, you're right. He did write a letter in 2016 to the Obama administration saying, no, stay out of our business. Jack, Jack, right. Jack, 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 hold on a second. You're not going to be able to march that fast. Uh, and uh, and uh, you're not Nick Chubb. You're not fast enough to do that. So let me put you on hold. <laughs> let me put you on right. hold, and I'll ask you to march through those points on the other side of the news. Can you do that? I sure can. Thank you, Jack. I appreciate that, Jack Windsor. In fact, it's good that Jack Windsor is going to stick around for another segment because we've got an announcement to make, too, which we'll do on the other side. Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France. 
of the answer. Okay, 11.34 now. We continue. Just about eight minutes left in the broadcast. Um, that's just this broadcast. I've got three more hours of broadcasting If after that. I'll be hosting the Dennis Prager Show today. You can, of course, hear hours two and three from one to three live on AM 1420, The Answer. You can go to DennisPrager.com or the Salem News Channel, and you can watch and listen to the entire program from noon until 3, if you so desire. And uh, we're going to be covering a lot of these uh, very important issues across the country uh, on the Prager Show today. But for now, I go back to uh, Jack Windsor, who is our friend from the Ohio Press Network, and he's also our State House correspondent. And we're talking about a couple of things. Specifically now, um, I was just asking you, Jack, and you said you were going to try to run through these as quickly as you could. Uh, some of the some of the data points on uh, mm-hmm. uh, on uh, uh, I'm sorry um, Mike Dewine Mike we Dewine talking, Mike Dewine I, f- I feel like John Fetterman right now uh, Mike Dewine <laughs> one I don't Mississippi know if you watched disaster yesterday you answered too let's talk about Mike Dewine and uh, the letter as I mentioned to you that he wrote in 2016 why he hasn't done anything similar here in 2020 as the go- or 2022 as the governor uh to try to uh tell the federal government to buzz off. Yes, so real quick, let me apologize for that Fetterman comment. I I respect his dignity as a human being and I was I was uh really upset that they uh allowed that to go on last night. So with all well, I mean, well, you I, know what? I, I would joke, be but... I would be but he wants to be there and moreover yep. they had a chance to pull him back before the primary was held. They could very easily have said, "Look, this guy is in a very serious critical medical state. Uh he may not recover from it wholly and and fully in order to be able to run. We need to put somebody else up there." They chose to go this way so the embarrassment that he suffers from being that way in public, while I certainly do not celebrate it nor do I cheer it on, nor is it bullying to point out that it exists, however, that's something yep. that a choice that they made. So, anyway. yep, I will I will disagree with you on that. Respectfully, I don't think he is cognitively um, equipped enough to even make that choice. That's my deepest concern. But let's go into the Dewine stuff. So, Dewine weighed in in 2016 and very forcefully said, "This is a states' rights issue. You cannot use uh, federal agency rule to try to tell states what to do in their own schools." Right. Um, well. That's interesting because this is a very similar uh, argument that Dave Yost makes in his letter to the Department of Education that we just discussed. What's even more intriguing, now here are just some data points. Do with them what you want. DeWine has weighed in on the abortion issue. Now, abortion issue is number two uh, to Ohio voters right now uh, in polls. So now it is way behind. It's like half as important as the economy, but it's there. So you could say he's uh, not going to talk about it for political purposes. Well, he's talked about abortion for political purposes, and uh, that's his opponent's drum. That's the drum that Nan Whaley beats consistently. So he's It's the about only abortion. one. I mean, literally, in every ad that I see, it's the only thing she talks about. That's right. So, And, and this is not a close race. Um, Mike DeWine leads by 16 points. I've said he'll probably win by 20. Um, here's the other interesting part. The State Board of Education, you've already covered Brendan Shea's resolution. Eight members of that board are appointed by the governor. And so had the governor stood up and said, hey, this is an issue. It's a state's rights issue. It's a parent's rights issue. We want to protect the rights of girls and women. And we want to subsidize the loss of federal funds for lunches if the government oversteps on the federal level. He didn't say that. He was silent. And when the issue came uh, before the board, uh, it was actually a DeWine appointee who said, let's shove this into committee. And I believe it was six uh, six uh, governor appointees that voted to shelve that issue. 
and uh, not approve it at the, at the state board level, which is really interesting. Now, let's parlay that over to the Ohio Republican Party. Members of the Ohio Republican Party State Central Committee have really pushed on Bob Baducek to call a special meeting and release a resolution similar to what the Republicans did in Texas. And they've tried to kick the can down the road. The last I heard, he said, hey, you need like 15 signatures to make this happen. They said, well, we've got 16, 15 signatures. No, well, you need them like on hard copy paper, and they got them. So my understanding is he has 15 days uh, to call a special meeting, and in that special meeting, the discussion will be had about whether the Republican Party is going to issue a resolution that protects parents' rights, girls' and women's rights, um, and tells the federal government you can't do that. Yeah, and uh, you know your 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 point about the fact that he's got a sixteen point lead is is an important one in my view. Um, and and your your other point about he's not afraid to talk about abortion despite the you know high profile nature of uh, uh, you know the, uh, the the controversy right now with respect to to Roe, uh, even though Nan Whaley is hammering him over that. So why is he so afraid to cross the LGBTQ XYZ exclamation point question mark and Sam movement? Um, by saying boys should be in boys' locker rooms, girls should be in girls' locker rooms and showers and uh, and teams and so forth. Why on earth is he? If he doesn't really think he's going to lose a sixteen point lead over that, does he, Jack? Ask that one more time. Do I think he's going to lose a sixteen point lead? Well, over I mean, that? he can't really think that. He can't really think he's going to lose a sixteen point lead if he comes out and actually says something as common sensible as he said six years ago when it comes to you know um, uh, you know the states not being strong armed by the federal government to do this. You know, there's always a supply and a demand for something. There's a supply and there's a demand of of his weighing in on this. I you know when you when you really think about the factors, if you and I were to sit down and whiteboard this, we could f- probably figure out why he's being silent. I don't know that answer right now. I don't think that it is that he's going to lose a 16-point lead. I just don't. If he if he were against a for, more formidable, formidable opponent, maybe. And I'm not trying to be rude and, and speak ill of Nan Whaley. She just can't raise money. Is uh, a one you know one trick pony on one issue. And uh, good thing you're you not know, trying I, to speak. Good thing you're not trying to speak ill or rude of her. <laughs> she can't raise money. She's a one trick <laughs> pony. She doesn't have anything to offer. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the nice things, Bob. Don't don't get me started on policies. Holy smoke. Um, Jack, that was funny, by the way. Uh, and I, I want to interrupt you here because I want to spend the last couple of minutes here talking about what we're going to do starting on Tuesday night. For those it. people, for those people uh, uh, who who enjoy the conversation Jack and I have, you haven't heard anything yet because in our roles on this program. Uh, I'm the host. I ask Jack the questions because he's the interviewee and he is the journalist with the Ohio Press Network. We are going to shift that dramatically from just one guy asking and the other guy answering to two guys talking smack, quite literally about everything. Jack Windsor and I are announcing now that we are starting our own new podcast that is going to be faced, uh, or excuse me, it's going to be streamed live on FaceTime, uh, or excuse me, on Facebook Live, rather. Uh, and as many other platforms as we can find. It will then, of course, be recorded and uploaded for uh, view and for listening uh, to all of the you know uh, podcast platforms that you are used to. Uh, so, in other words, Spotify, iHeart, et cetera, et cetera. And it is going to launch. Our very first episode is going to happen on Tuesday evening, 7 p.m. And, Jack, what are we calling it? Talking Smack with Bob and Jack. 
Daniel Digger. That is exactly what we're going to be doing. And it's not going to be filtered. It's not going to be Bob asks, Jack answers, and we go back and forth. No, 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 no. It's going to be two guys uh, getting after it. And it's going to be about politics. It's going to be about the midterm elections to start, obviously. It's going to be about so much more than that. Our culture will be on the table. Entertainment will be on the table. The sports scene, maybe not necessarily box scores and lineups, but impacts of of sports sports and and more uh, on our communities and on our culture. Parenting. education, all of it, and we're going to be unfiltered, it's going to be unscripted, and it's going to involve you, because as we do it on Facebook Live, we will be able to read your comments and your questions for what we are talking about, Jack, and uh, we've, you and I have been talking about this for a couple of months now, and I'm so glad it's coming to fruition. Man, I am, I'm just flat out excited. It's going to be super fantastic, and look, I, I like the idea of being able to reframe conversations in reality. One of the challenges we have in the world in which we live right now is that the big machine frames the conversation because if we go outside that frame, then we get canceled. Well, that's not going to happen uh, on Talking Smack with Bob and Jack. You don't want to miss one episode of it. No, it's going to be phenomenal. I'm, I'm very excited about it. And I love the fact that you are going to transition from Jack Windsor journalist to Jack Windsor smack talker. Uh, you know, you, 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 you tend to, as you should, uh, keep your you know journalist uh, and reporters cap on uh, whenever you talk to me on the, this program and in all of your other uh, you know ventures. Uh, but when we get together there, it's just two guys, uh, and and it's not talk show hosts and it's not reporters or editors or whatever. It's just two guys talking about what matters most to this country. The fact that we might be able to pull in some big name guests to join us is uh, is an added bonus. It really is, and Bob, I'm excited. Thanks for for choosing me for that endeavor. And there's a lot more to come. It's uh, going to be an awful lot of fun. Talking Smack with Bob and Jack. First episode will be live on uh, Tuesday evening, 7 o'clock. I'll be telling you more about that between now and then. And, again, it will be uploaded to all of your podcast uh, viewing uh, platforms. Jack Windsor, thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. You betcha. Talk to you later. There it is, Jack Windsor joining us. That's going to take us to the end of this broadcast. But, again, don't forget, after O'Reilly, uh, live on AM 1420, the answer, you get Charlie Kirk. But I'll be live over on uh, the Salem News Channel hosting the Dennis Prager Show. Hopefully you can tune in. We'll see you tomorrow. Be well, be safe, and stay free. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.